This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, I'm Roshan Kanison and welcome to Open for Business. If a box of cereal is expiring next month, would you buy it? What if I told you it was 40% off? Now would you buy it? If you answered yes, then you're going to want to stick around for this episode of Open for Business. Near 2 is a local business that's trying to reduce food waste by intercepting perfectly edible food products that are headed for landfills and selling them at cheaper prices, sometimes at half the market price. This concept of discounting foods that are near to expiry is a new and in fact standalone NTE or near to expiry stores already exist overseas. Today we ask the age-old question, uh, is one supplier's near to expiry food another retailer's treasure? The question somewhat goes like that. To find out more about this, I'm speaking with Nicholas Tan and Edmund Yap, the co-founders of Near2. We'll get into what inspired this venture and whether there's truly money to be made by intercepting and selling near to expiry foods. Nicholas, Edmund, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. My name is Nicholas. Hi, I'm Edmund. Great uh, to have you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you guys in the studio with thank us. You, How are you both you. feeling this morning? A little nervous, no? Yes, maybe? Um, we tried Near to... Near to nervous? Yeah. <laughs> Near to nervous, yeah, yeah. Um, guys, I think we'll get into the business and all of that in a little bit, but I think it's important to first kind of break down the reason you've entered this, right? What is the problem you're trying to fix? Because a lot of people are going to be like, hey, we have grocery stores, why do we need this? I mean, aside the fact that, you know, the goods, the goods are cheaper at your place. So why is perfectly good food that's near to expiry being thrown away or written off by distributors? Give us a sense of the problem here. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I think everyone loves a good discount and deals. Um, we can see that, especially recently, we see a lot of malls have a lot of uh, promotional fairs. So all these promotionals are very attractive. So the, the fact that discount is attractive to customer no matter how. Mm-hmm. So that's how um, um, we build our business upon. Mm-hmm. So uh, our business are built on the foundation of, of discount. Uh, this is actually not a very new business model. It's actually very established overseas, uh, China, uh, Europe, and also US. Mm-hmm. We are only trying to tap into this market very recently as a, a early adopters for the market. Um, we can see that Malaysians are very acceptable to this. Um, a lot of customers understand that within three months, it's actually okay to consume the food. So from there, then we under, we know that um, the accepted uh, the accept, acceptance range is very high. So, but maybe just give us a sense of the original question, right? Why are distributors, you know, writing off food that are expiring within one to three months? Why, why aren't they continuing to sell it? Um, what, what's the problem here? What is this market opportunity that you've seen? So, if uh, there, there's two aspects of it. First of all, is uh, local manufacturing and also at the same time importing goods. So we talk about importing goods first. Um, there's MOQ for suppliers. So when they purchase products, they they need to hit a certain amount. They can every uh the, the amount has to be set monthly. So before this month, the next batch of product is already coming in. So they have to find someone or some way to settle that batch that they are not able to finish. Uh, there are multiple reasons that they will ha- this will happen. It might be that the grocer have returns to a supplier. It might be that the supplier overestimate their own uh, projections. It, it could be it could be that this particular product isn't. Um, established yet so that they need more 
uh, channel to to taste test to 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 test run what kind of product works for um, which for example flavor for mm. example which uh, SKU works better in Malaysia right so there are a few issues here so one is obviously the planning uh, whether you're buying the correct amount of stock to sell maybe you've misunderstood uh, the market demand for a certain thing and there's also the fact that when you say returns you're talking about retailers and groceries returning stock to distributors because maybe it's less than three months old they don't want to risk holding that inventory on so now the distributor is stuck with stock that they need to get rid of quickly which is why they then sell it to you at a discount do i have that uh, about right Yep, yeah, exactly. All right, great. Good that I have very good active listening skills. I'm in the right <laughs> job, guys. Um, so one thing I've noted in some previous interviews you've had, I think you spoke to FMT, was that imported goods seem to face this problem a lot more than locally manufactured goods. Um, why is that the case? Um, actually, it's not that imported goods facing more issue. It's that we, uh, local manufacturer, the manufacture based on their projections mm -hmm. so they can increase or uh, lower their projections they very quickly. Adjust, they right. can adjust. But the thing is, if you go to any manufacturing, they will still have food wastage no matter how. This is very common in uh, manufacturing process. This is very common in grocery, grocery do returns. Um, so, so the easiest way for us to purchase would be existing products. So that means imported goods or uh, ready-made ones. So, when we go to our supplier, we will ask them, basically we'll ask them what kind of product that you need to clear. So then they will give us uh, a range of products uh, that they want to clear. It, sometimes it could be three months, sometimes it could be six months. It depends on how early they want to solve this problem. Some suppliers are very good. They have very little issue when it comes to NTE. But if you want to grow your business, you will eventually need to ramp up your production or your purchase. This is very normal because, I mean, everyone who does business will want to grow. When they need to grow, eventually they will hit a good month, a bad month. So when that month happens, we are the solution for them. It's either you, uh, the supplier throw away or give away to someone else or that they give it to us. We sell it at a discounted price, benefiting our, our customers mm. based on our store or, or any sales channels that we have. Or that they just throw it away. La. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I if I'm uh, standing from their perspective, I would say that at least I salvage some of the money back. Yeah. So it's basically recouping some of that cost there. Uh, so you've been doing this for about 15 months, I think. So six months was first, I think you were trying out in Publica. Yes. Nine months you've had a store in Damansara uptown. Um, when you first started, how receptive were distributors or uh, to this concept, right? And how did you get your first deal? Was it as simple as walking up to a distributor and saying, "Hey, do you have excess stock? We want to buy it." Um, <laughs> they, 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 they always have a promo list, but the promo list, the percentage of discount is very low. For example, ten percent. Then there's not much margin that we can make from that. So that if let's say the product is ten ringgit, it discount to nine ringgit fifty cent. Uh, probably the chances <laughs> of you buying it is very low la, because 50 cent ma, if yeah. I can we have afford 10 ringgit I can afford another 50 cents my parking fee will probably cost me that amount yeah, yeah. exactly so uh, at the early stage when we walk to uh, we call a lot of suppliers they they will give us a list but a very um, uh, the, the discount range is not high mm. and of course they don't want to because 
previously there's no one taking this kind of product the market doesn't exist no one even understand what is NTE I mean of course they have uh, food waste station but NTE is some a kind of a term that we started within the uh, FMCG market so supplier nowadays will come to our store they will say that oh I saw you on FMTA so you have distributors coming to you right now yes so roughly I would say every week to every month we have suppliers different uh, they could be huge distributor they could be local manufacturer they could be um, small independent importer as well they will come in and say oh hi I'm interested in the business I have blah 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 product I want to uh, sell uh, I might not have product now but I want to talk to you first hmm. so a lot of a good purchaser or a good buyer will always think of what they need to face eventually so I mean if they are very good at um, projecting sales then of course then no worries lah. but they will need to find a solution eventually so we are existing solution for them all right uh nicholas from my understanding you handle a lot of the operations and the marketing so you are actually handling the store itself uh edmund we haven't heard much from you now so i want to know um what are you, what is your role here from my understanding more funding finance so what is it you do uh for near two so mainly what i do is uh seeking investors uh creating pitch decks and, and seeing like, oh, okay, like uh, doing projections for the business. So how do we grow? How much margins are we targeting? How much, uh, what sales target should we aim for? And stuff like that. So my next, the next section is going to be all about you. Lah. I'm going to ask you about revenue. Okay. I'm going to ask you about growth, funding, financing. So very mm. clearly here, this first store is the is a litmus test for much larger ambitions, which mm. we are going to get to in a few minutes. Folks, we're jumping into a few messages right now. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about their growth story going forward. I've been speaking with Nicholas Dunn and Edmund Yap, co-founders of Near2, a store that sells Near2 expiry food products at a discount. I'm Roshan Kanesan. This has been Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Big Friendly Macha. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. Hey folks, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Nicholas Tan and Edmund Yap, the co-founders of Near2. They're a store that sells Near2 expiry food products at a discount. Uh, but of course, they have greater ambitions than just being a single store in Uptown, which we will get to in a few minutes. Um, Nicholas, we heard a lot from you about the ops earlier, the concept behind this and the founding. Uh, Edmund, I'm going to look at you now because we're going to talk a little bit about mm. the numbers behind all this. Um, first things first, your business model is you buy goods at a discount or you get goods at a discount yep. um, from uh, from suppliers who want to get rid of stock, basically, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And then you sell it for a higher, uh, you, have, you add it on a margin and you sell it. Yep. How much of a discount do you typically get when you get your inventory from suppliers you work with? Usually discounts from suppliers you get uh, ranges from 50% to 30%. And this Some, is on the cost price? Yes, on, on the cost price. Sometimes it goes to 80%. Sometimes they give it to us for free. Is that dependent on how close they expire? Yes, and, and also the relationship with our suppliers. Right. How... I mean, what's the typical range you're getting here? Is it all the goods you're getting three months uh, from expiry or is there a range that we can expect to mm, see? Usually the range of products we get is uh, three to six months. Sometimes uh, there's two months and one month as well. Now, there's a margin you make on this, of course. If not, there wouldn't be a business to have mm -hmm. here. Um, on average, right? Uh, what is the typical margin you see uh, from uh, that you've been able to get from this business? I think our, our margins are quite reasonable. 
um, should be better than most grocers <laughs> out there, um, while also like significantly passing the savings to our customers as well. I think that's that's the most important thing is um, reducing the cost for our suppliers, like uh, from their loss of uh, products. Um, secondly, is uh, reducing food wastage, and thirdly, is savings for customers. So, um, if you're getting goods. 30 to 50% at discount from suppliers and you're selling goods at 30 50% from the market price mm. your margins are kind of kind of similar to the margins that a retailer would get right because it's one is on the you're getting a discount mm-hmm. on the cost price and you're kind of reflecting that in parallel to um, the market price or when people are buying your goods yep yep so so it's it's better i, I, I <laughs> say it's, it's better <laughs> um no. I think I can add on here is that FMCG market, the the margin is actually very low. Yeah. Unless you're a very big player, you're mm. very established, 10, 20 years experience. If not, your margin will be very low. So we come in at the better margin, I would say uh, 22%, 20 to 30% higher than average. Oh, wow. Unless, uh, or, or because if, if you're talking about uh, you have back margin and front margin for retails. Mm-hmm. So if you are a large, large change that you don't have to pay upfront, so their margin is very nice. Right, for because- a smaller retails, it's very hard. So the NT serves a better uh, product market fit, I would say, mm-hmm. for, uh, uh, I would say... Smaller. Yeah, like a mid to low end market. And I, I'm guessing that this margin is also reflective of the additional risk that you also take on because you are buying goods that are one to three, three to six months from expiry yep, as yep. opposed to the standard goods, which is usually a year or so from mm-hmm. near to expiry, right? So there's an additional risk there, after all, risk return kind of thing. Um, how much of the product actually gets sold once it hits your shelves? Because I, unless your planning is like superb and you're able to do some AI-driven uh, machine learning algorithms. Million into AI <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are you, I'm sure there's some things that are gone to waste, right? So mm. how much of your stock that you get ends up being sold? Yeah, I think normally uh, 95 to 97% of our stocks mm. get sold. Uh, yeah, And Which, like only 3 to 5% is, is thrown away. So... There is a margin here, yep. uh, a margin that you say is better than the typical FM, FMCG out, margins out there. Um, but that comes with an inventory risk, mm-hmm. right? You're getting a bit more of that. Uh, shorter lifespan products stay on your shelves. Uh, overall, ha- how, how has the business been profitable? I have to assume it's so. You've been doing this for nine months. We're going there. We're, we're moving to profitability soon. Yeah. So because like for... For normal like retail stores, uh, brick and mortar businesses as well, it's there's a lot of upfront costs as well mm-hmm. as a lot of uh, operational uh, costs as well. So what we're doing right now, um, similar to all startups, is we're trying to like be as prudent with our costs as much as possible and trying to increase our revenue. Right. So there is a pathway to profitability. Mm-hmm. What kind yeah. of timeline are you both expecting? I think um, in the next six months, uh, hopefully we'll hit... Uh, operating break-even. Right, and this mm. is, of course, uh, when you talk about stores, it's a really about that payback period as well, right? Because yep, you've yep. invested into the store, mm. so there's a certain amount of time uh, between the inception of the store and the, by the time you pay back and you hit that profitability element. Um, so here you're expecting one and a half years, two years payback period for the first store? I would roughly? say within one year. Within one year. I would say within one year, but also it depends on the area that you are looking. So rental mm. makes a big... 
uh, is a big cost. Right. So mm. if you can find a very nice place that the rental is not uh, super high, then because of the margin is higher and your cost is lower, everything is much faster. Mm -hmm. And also on top of that, we are already doing a lot of publicity. So more people knows about the concept of NGE, mm. the easier, the faster they would think of, let's say they think of a discount store, they would think of near two. So that uh, also because, uh, I mean, they will understand that if they're spending in our store, they can get the value back. Mm -hmm. And also uh, kind of like a sense of purpose, they're reducing food wastage by purchasing this kind of product. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, strategic partners do come into play here as well uh, when you talk about uh, rental. So we are working with a few people discussing and seeing if we can expand to more stores at a cheaper price or like lower cost. So like working something out. Good landlords, uh, basically. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm presuming that, uh, not presuming, so I've se we've seen this story before, right? So I've, whether it's uh, uh, in conversations I've had with co-working spaces or even mm -hmm. a few months ago, I spoke to this experiences company called Superdo. Uh, a lot of landlords are looking for ways to bring footfall to their malls, to their mm -hmm. spaces, and it always requires some kind of attraction. So there's a bit of, you're alluding here that basically you are enough of an attraction to become a... Uh, to a mall to bring people into their uh, their spaces. Um, now the thing is with your business, right? The hurdle. I'm wondering how much of a moat you're able to build here because um, there are much bigger players in the space. There are also uh, digital players, uh, e-commerce players that are trying to do something similar or at least trying to cater to the mom and pop shops. Months ago, I spoke to La Pasa, but they're obviously a different kind of thing that mm. they're going about doing. Um, is there? really demand for a standalone NTE goods store? What's stopping the likes of the big players like Jaya Grocer from saying, hey, we're going to build a separate entity and then instead of giving the returns back to the distributor, we're just going to sell it to our separate entity. And this essentially steps on your toes and maybe even pushes you out. I think um, we we have to see this from a supplier perspective. Mm. So if let's say a huge chain established business who want to enter into this market, first of all, if they are they are the reason that we have uh, returned stock, I mean discounted product. They uh, return their 3 to 5% to supplier. So we take from them, basically. So if let's say they are the cause of it, they want to have their own, as you said, like another business on top of their uh, existing business, they will need to increase their purchase with supplier mm. by purposely and not selling it, return it back to supplier so that their second company can take it up. So I'm sure that supplier is, not, is very smart. They <laughs> would not do that. They would not increase the sales for this month in order to have more loss on the next three months. So that doesn't make sense doesn't to in me. Line, it's not in line with their yes, respective yes. incentives. And on top of that, most uh, retails, um, I'm talking about big chains. Uh, so their inventory is heavy, but the cash a lot of it is not paid yet. So basically, they can pay the product in, a lot of credit terms, a lot of return, a lot of, uh, 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 there are a lot of time to sell the product. So because of that, they, why would they increase the problem to solve an issue that they are in first hand they are creating? It doesn't make sense to them as well. And if you're talking about percentage, right, they are dominating 90 
5% of the total market. It's much more value there. They can mark up much more there. So essentially, it's like, why waste my time doing Yeah, why like waste this? my time? Mm. So you, there's a smaller payer that can solve my problem. I give it to you. Lah. So you see a space for here uh, for you guys here to grow. Um, and obviously, you have bigger ambitions, more stores, that sort of thing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the traction you've gotten. And the best way to uh, look at that is through sales and revenue. Mm. Uh, what's revenue been like for 2023? Uh, and it's been nine months since uptown. So let's take away the first few months. Mm -hmm. So for the first half of 2023, what were revenues like? I think revenue part is uh, we're quite increasing quite steadily um, right now. So we're in the five figures. Uh, hopefully, we can make it to like six figures. That's per store, right? So, yeah, per store basis. So that's a pretty good number for a single store? Mm -hmm. So so on, on average, uh, let's say like um, other other retailers, other grocery stores out there, usually their uh, revenue month per monthly is average around 100,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're heading in that direction. That's the way you want to go. And mm -hmm. a lot of your growth is going to come from new storefronts. It's it's opening up new stores. Yep. Um, what kind of, so you're heading, your aim is to six figures this year. Is that about right for the one store that you have? Uh, yeah, uh, we, based on how many store that we can open. Mm -hmm. So for example, if let's say per store, we can make about 50 to 70K mm -hmm. per month. Then if let's say we have 10 store, then that's 500K per So how month. many stores do you plan to open up in 2023? Um, right now with the first round that we have closed, we are looking for two to three stores. Actually still closing. Closing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and due diligence phase right now, hopefully we have uh, good news to share soon. So if all goes well, another two to three near two, two stores three opening stores. by the end of mm, the year. Yes. Mm, yep. uh, what goes into this kind of decision, right? Location, obviously rental is a big part. Um, how how much further away from Uptown do you want to do this? Or is it does, does it make sense to build like a little bit of a mesh network? What goes into setting up a new store? So we focus currently on Selangor area first. Mm -hmm. uh, we try to make sure the city area knows that um, NT products. So from from there, then we build our, I would say, our brand, our awareness, so people understand that business. Then we'll move into a more distribution network so that we will set up shops in other states. But that will come maybe, uh, maybe six months, 12 months afterwards. Now, your growth could be challenged or at least hampered by the fact that your stock depends on other people's not selling their stock, right? Mm -hmm. There is a little, there's excess capacity that you're taking up the slack for. Yep. But from my understanding, uh, the NTE storefront is the start to a much larger ambition for your company. Give us a sense of what that could look like. What is the larger ambition here? So in FMCG market, it's very segmented. So you have personal care, you have home and living, you have household, you have frozen, you have confect. We, we are only tapping into food right now. So there's much more product to tap into. And on top of that, there's a lot of local manufacturers and OEM factory. So they have a lot of uh, food wastage when they are production. I mean, they, they, their brand might not be established. They cannot project as accurate. So, and they might need more time to break into the market. So lowering, their cost, uh, lowering the price of selling to let customer try the product is one of the channel for them. So we don't we, we, we solve problem for our supplier, manufacturer and also importer as well. So that's what I'm aiming for. And with that, hopefully we can establish our own supply chain to distribute outside. How have you funded the business so far and are you looking to raise more funds as you grow forward? So right now, uh, how we funded the business so far is we bootstrap from our savings, mm -hmm. like me and Nick, um, and like slowly the concept kind of like gain traction and like 
people people like a lot of people got interested in the idea wanted to like, explore more with us so right now like we we actually engaged a few uh, angel investors um which we are in talks right now um and we're in the due diligence phase for the pre-seed funding um hopefully that goes well um and hopefully we can announce it soon um then we can see like much more stores um much more uh, different products from us as well yeah um, obviously, it's very early to talk about this, but I can't help myself. I love asking this question. Um, what kind of exit do you think would best best suit this business, right? Because you two seem like ambitious folks. Uh, a lot of startup founders think about this kind of thing, right? Mm. What's the trajectory out there? Um, what's the most likely kind of uh, 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 trajectory here? M&A, IPO, what do you think? I think we have to see this in timeline. So 5, 10, 15 years, it depends on what uh, how, how long of a time we're talking about. Mm-hmm. For the next five years, I would say that with uh, my own observation, the Southeast Asian market is still very, very early. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this concept could work very well in the whole region. So mm-hmm. basically we're talking about Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand as well. I have not seen, maybe there's some similar business model in their country, but I have not seen anything. A single as, brand kind yes, of push yes, out like there. As branded as uh, how I see in China, in US mm. and Europe. So Which is I would, your vision. Yeah, so mm. I would say for the next five years, we are still aiming to growth within mm-hmm. um, Southeast Asia. I think only then we will uh, uh, plan for something further down the road. But yeah, for yeah. now, it, it will be focusing on growing business. Mm-hmm. As quick, I, I as could quick. see this being a very nice M&A kind of situation for a much larger retailer, e-commerce kind of situation. Do you concur with that? Or is it? do you believe that this is has a better IPO kind of value prop situation? I think it, it, after all, FMCG market is very cash business. Yeah. Mm. So it's very easy to get returns. Um, so in that sense, meaning that is we have we hold much more value if we grow the business instead yeah. of just quickly sell it within two years, three years. I don't mm. think um, uh, I don't think that helps the industry as also. Because yeah. after all, this is also a business that's trying to reduce food mm-hmm. waste. La. Yeah. Average uh, exit time is around eight years. So we'll have that conversation closer <laughs> to that time. Huh? Yeah. Um, Nicholas and Edmund, it's been a pleasure speaking to the both of you here today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank Thanks you for, for your time. Us. Folks, I've been speaking with Nicholas Tan and Edmund Yap, co-founders of Near2, a store that sells Near2 expiry food products at a discount. They currently have one store over in Uptown. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. We're heading into the news bulletin right now. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.